You are Locked On Titans, your daily Tennessee Titans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Titans podcast. I am your host, Tyler Rowland. Titans fans, this crossover Thursday edition of the Locked on Titans podcast is presented by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents. Fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. The Titans have a big game against an 8-3 Cleveland Browns squad this weekend. And to begin our preparation for that matchup, we are going to do as we always do on Thursdays and have a crossover conversation with Jeff from the Locked on Browns podcast. So we're going to get somebody on the ground in Cleveland to give us a good idea of what he's seen from the Browns so far this year and what we might expect from them in this game against the Titans. So excited to dive into that preliminary preparation for this matchup with a crossover Thursday conversation with Jeff. Before we dive into that, though, both teams did announce their first injury report of the week. So I'm going to give you guys an update on what both teams' injury status looks like after the first practice of this week. So excited to dive into this crossover Thursday episode of the Locked on Titans with you guys. Let's get it. Throughout the 2020 season, the Titans have typically used Wednesday, the first practice of the week, as an extra rest day for certain key players who may be banged up, but still do intend to play in the game later that week. And that trend continued this week as the Tennessee Titans had a good amount of players who did not participate in the first practice of the week. But out of that list, only one or two of those players should be in jeopardy of actually missing the game again. Against the Browns. So let's dive into the Titans' first injury update of the week, and we will start with the players who did not participate on Wednesday. Number one, tight end Anthony Ferkser, but the reason that he did not participate was not injury related. Backup running back Deontay Foreman had a knee issue and did not participate. Hopefully, he will be able to play as he has done a really good job spelling Derrick Henry at times throughout the season as he has a similarly physical style of running. It's not exactly like Derrick Henry, but gives the Titans a similar enough look that they can continue running their offense the same way that they want to. Guard Roger Saffold has an ankle injury he's been dealing with for a few weeks. He did not participate on Wednesday. Defensive tackle Jeffrey Simmons has been dealing with a knee injury throughout the year, did not participate on Wednesday. Tight end Jonu Smith has a knee injury he's been dealing with for a few weeks now and did not participate on Wednesday. But 
out of those players, really, Deontay Foreman is the only player that you're really concerned about missing the game this weekend just because his knee injury is new and is not considered just general maintenance like we've seen with Saffold, Simmons, and Smith throughout the year. The last player who did not participate is a player that the Titans at this point in time certainly cannot count on throughout the rest of the season, and that is cornerback Adoree Jackson, who has been dealing with a knee injury since earlier in the year. Looking at the timeline, Adoree Jackson got hurt in the quote-unquote preseason time, the lead-up to the year. It was a knee injury. It put him on IR. The Titans designated Adoree Jackson to return midway through the season, which opened up a 21-day window for him to be placed onto the active roster. Well, that 21-day window passed. Adoree Jackson was added back to the Titans' active roster, but since that moment, he has been inactive for every game and hasn't practiced in a few weeks. It's obvious from the timeline of events that Adoree Jackson suffered a knee injury earlier in the year and then during that 21-day window must have suffered a setback of some kind. So at this time, Adoree Jackson hasn't been placed back on IR, which would officially end his season. It does give you some optimism that he could return, but based on his inability to practice, you would not expect him to play in this game. My opinion is that Adoree Jackson will not actually play in a game this year for the Titans until he is a full participant in all days of practice during a week. So haven't seen that yet from Adoree, and until we see that, can't expect him to play. As for the other players who were either full or limited participants in Wednesday's practice, tackle Dennis Kelly with a knee injury he's been managing throughout the year was limited, and then good to see the return of wide receiver Adam Humphreys, who hasn't played in four games with a concussion. He was a full participant on Wednesday. The Titans expect to get him back for this game against the Browns, and then tight end Michael Pruitt was inactive last week but was a full participant recovering from a knee injury he suffered earlier in the year. As for the Cleveland Browns injury report it's not as extensive as the Titans but we do know that cornerback Denzel Ward will not be playing in this game and we also know that starting safety Ronnie Harrison will not be playing in this game for the Browns but they will be getting back talented edge rusher Miles Garrett from the COVID reserve list. As for the other players on the injury report for the Browns. Tackle Jack Conklin was limited with a knee. Defensive tackle Jordan Elliott was limited with a knee. Center Nick Harris was limited with an ankle. Running back Kareem Hunt was limited with a thigh. Safety Sheldrick Redwine was limited with a knee. Defensive tackle Vincent Taylor was limited with a knee. Guard Wyatt Teller was limited with a calf. And then center J.C. Treader was limited with a knee. Jarvis Landry has a knee issue at wide receiver, but he was a full participant on Wednesday. So the Browns expect the majority of those players to be available for them when they take on the Titans. One last thing to mention here while discussing the health of the Cleveland Browns is that on Wednesday during that practice, the Browns did have a staff member test positive for COVID-19 and they were sent home with a shortened practice. Hopefully that is not an outbreak getting ready to burst out for the Browns and it's just one isolated case, but it is something that we will have to monitor going forward throughout the week to see if the scheduling of that game is affected whatsoever. But it is time for our cross 
crossover Thursday conversation with Jeff from the Locked on Browns podcast. So excited to dive into that informative discussion. But before we do that, want to tell you guys about Built Go. Go is the best workout gel on the market. Comes from the makers of the best protein bar of all time at Built Bar. Built Go is designed to help you break through any mental or physical wall that you would have any day. Built Go is a workout gel that comes in an easy to take 1.5 ounce package goes easily in your briefcase your pocket your golf bag wherever it's like a five hour energy but without that same crash feeling that you get it's natural so it's better for your body comes in three delicious flavors the peanut butter honey chocolate coconut chocolate mint it's basically like you drank a monster energy drink but with a third of the caffeine and much better results also built go combines the energy gel with collagen protein and collagen protein is fast absorbing gets into your system quick easy on your stomach and it promotes joint soft tissue hair and skin health the stuff literally makes you look better it's also filled with great stuff to ignite your day like beta alanine b3 honey b6 b12 and that kick of caffeine so make sure that you visit builtgo.com and use promo code locked and get 20 percent off your next order once again that's promo code locked for 20 percent off at builtgo.com let's go And welcome to a Locked On NFL Crossover Thursday. Uh, I'm your host of Locked On Browns, Jeff Lloyd. We're going to sit down with Tyler Rowland today, host of Locked On Titans, as it is Crossover Thursday. Um, I know everybody is really, really excited about this matchup on Sunday, as are we, um, where we are in the season here. Um, you know, these games, especially the bigger ones, have become critical here uh, for both teams. So Tyler and I, we're going to sit down. Uh, we're going to talk some Tennessee Titans. We're going to talk some Cleveland Browns. We'll give you some general game thoughts here. As you know, three segments on your daily Titans news, your daily Browns news, all from the Lockdown Podcast Network. Today's episode is brought to you by the fine folks at Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents. Fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. I mean, look, we're recording on a Wednesday, and they're actually closing up a game right now. So it has been a strange, strange NFL season, but we're very, very thankful to have it. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. As you guys know, it's made for you at home, those who watch the game. Pepsi, made for football watching. Tyler, my friend, how are you, sir? Um, We're going to talk some Titans here. Uh, Your team, similar, I think, to last year, kind of starting to put it together, getting hot when it matters. How's life treating you, Tyler? Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, in the middle of a strange season, nonetheless, but a good season. Any anytime we have football, have to be thankful it's here in some way. So I know the people up in Cleveland have to be enjoying this season a little bit more than uh, they have previous seasons in quite some time. So glad that uh, both fan bases are feeling pretty good and happy heading into the stretch run of the year. 
Um, well, the funny thing, Tyler, is there are some fans, and I've been using the phrase that their diamond shoes are too tight because the amount of critiquing that's going through for an eight and three football team, especially yeah. when that team is the Cleveland Browns, mm-hmm. it is just straight whack. It, it makes no sense. Enjoy every dang second is what I keep telling my listeners. Um, but like I said, Tyler, similar to last year, um, you know, they just you know they they you know find their way to Titans, and then the groove hits. And there's Derrick Henry, and now you have uh, A.J. Brown, a little bit more consistent and a bigger focal point of this offense in year two. Um, He's part of this, you know, whether it's D.K. Metcalf, Debo Samuel type of wide receiver that, you know, I think every team probably needs at this point here. Um, But offensively, you know, it's starting to hum here. And, you know, last week obviously didn't need much. Derrick Henry was enough really to get you through the Colts game. What's the state, uh, you know, of where the Titans are at, and what is going to be a very difficult matchup for my Browns as they come to town on Sunday? Yeah, I would say that your your assessment is is pretty spot on. One thing I will say is the Titans are a well coached football team, so they get better throughout the year. That's just the way that it is with Mike Vrabel, especially on defense. That's where the real change. So the Titans' offense was humming early in the season, got to five and zero. Then we played the Steelers, we played the Bears, we had that crazy trap letdown game against the Bengals. That you know, there's going to be one game a year for every team. Just throw out the tape. We're not going to analyze it. We're not going to dwell on it. Just throw it out. We played terribly. So the Titans had a stretch run. Then they played the Colts, the Ravens, and then the Colts again. So the Titans played some really tough defenses in the middle of their season, and they're at the end with the second half of the Ravens and last week against the Colts. You saw them against good defenses, really good defense, start to get back into that early season form in that late 2019 form so the offense is fine what really is the development here is that the titans defense has drastically changed since the addition of desmond king at cornerback the trade that the titans made right before the trade deadline having a slot guy in there that can be physical in the run game and nickel run defense and then also give you some good man coverage on the slot that was incredibly important for the titans defense and it's allowed them to not vault themselves into one of the better defenses in the league but they can at least play average defense where they were playing historically bad third down defense. They can at least play average defense. And when you have an explosive offense, that makes you a competent football team. So they are starting to round into form, especially on the defensive end of the ball. Um, it's actually funny that, um, and right here in my notes, um, was the mention of certainly one Desmond King. And there's always, there's always these moves that go down and every, you know, everybody looks at their own team, like guys, we in on this. Um, you know, Ronnie Harrison for a fifth round pick, who's not going to be a part mm-hmm. of this game. Desmond King, granted, you know, less time you were going to get Desmond King um, for a fifth round pick. And, you know, so, you know, it, it's great when you get one, but there's times where you see other teams pull off this move and you're kind of like, oh, God, man, where was our GM on this one? Right. Um, right. And Desmond King is obviously that type of player, you know, former college corner, um, plenty of safety experience, which is perfect for, I mean, these hybrid defensive backs and, Mm-hmm. Desmond King came in, and I think the key thing here, and I'll let you elaborate on this a little bit, is um, Logan Ryan was a fixture on this defense last year. And, you know, granted, nobody agreed with the money, I guess, you know, for what you know Logan Ryan mm-hmm. felt he wanted. But, I mean, there was no questioning the production that Logan Ryan gave you. And it took a couple of weeks until finally Tennessee said, well, we got to find us somebody yes. that can at least do what we needed Logan Ryan to do. 
Yeah, no, you're a hundred percent right on that. That's that's uh, good scouting there. So Logan Ryan, why he was so special to the Titans last year? Although he is a liability in man coverage, Logan Ryan was targeted more than any cornerback last year, and it's actually the reason he well, changed part of, the, part of those. Ta- yeah, exactly. Part of those tackle yeah. numbers were the way they were for a reason, <laughs> right? But but that is for a re- so teams love playing eleven personnel with three wide receivers. So nowadays you have to be able to stop the run when the other team is in nickel or when the other team is in three wide receivers, when your defense is in nickel, you still have to be able to stop the run. So having a slot cornerback that can almost function as an outside linebacker in a 4-3, I think that's incredibly important. And Logan Ryan's one of the more physical cornerbacks or physical defensive backs now that he's playing safety in the league. And Desmond King does give you that sort of player. So he can be physical and blitz off the slot like Logan Ryan. He can step up and almost play a pseudo linebacker in nickel defense to help the Titans stop the run against other teams' three wide receiver sets. He can drop back and play a deep half in an an inverted cover too, like a safety, like you mentioned, those skills. So he kind of gives you a versatile piece that can be a run defender, can play man pass coverage, and also be a zone deep defender. And it's exactly what the Titans needed to unlock the defense and get back to what they were doing last year. They needed a Logan Ryan type, but they definitely needed a better version of Logan Ryan. And I think they got that by giving away a sixth round pick for Desmond King. And who knows, the Titans could bring him back at a, at a decent rate. I think it's something they should consider. And then maybe the sixth round pick looks even better after that. But either way, even if it's just this year, uh, a great move by Titans general manager, John Robinson, and it's flipped the fortune of the defense. Yeah, I, I literally have no idea what happened, you know, was with anything, you know, Charger related and where, you know, he ended up where he was not really a piece of their puzzle. Um, maybe they just viewed he wasn't part of the future. So maybe it was time to get a look at some other guys. Um, yeah. But certainly in the limited opportunity with Tennessee now, he's, you know, certainly, uh, you know, making making a case for a, a nice, nice contract coming at the end of the season. Um, let's go to one other thing here. Uh, Jadavian Clowney, um, obviously not going to be part of this game on Sunday, still on IR, correct, Tyler? Yes. Yes. Okay. Has the move, and obviously it made sense, you know, Vrabel, you know, it, normally in this situation, you go to where you're comfortable, you're trying to get that big contract. Um, and there were times the Browns were in on him for, you know, mo- you know, 14 million, and it wasn't just a one year deal. Um, where is the state of this move? I mean, is it, I mean, because for me, it, it's not like I want to say it seemed like overkill because I love the Tennessee Titans defensive line, Jeffrey mm-hmm. Simmons, uh, Landry, obviously guys that I absolutely love through the draft process. The clowny move, was it at this point, Where what are you guys feeling on it? Like, was it just something that was like, well, I guess we did it, but, you know, it was kind of like getting yourself a really, really, really nice expensive car and then seeing it in the garage for 95% of the time? Yeah, it's like uh, it's like buying a convertible when you live in Ohio. but uh um so here's how i would explain this and i would like to think that i'm pretty fair pretty biased looking at it from both sides here so i think Clowney, you absolutely do that for the price 12 to 15 million in incentives with the titans need at edge rusher after last season with the type of talent that Clowney is the contract value it's only a one-year deal it's not like you're saddling yourself with a bunch of dead cap or anything so the risk on the contract the talent of the player and the need on the roster i think all of it makes it a perfectly fine signing the problem was is that the titans gave nine million dollars to vic beasley to do absolutely nothing and cut halfway through the year that 
that's where the the depth was needed. So I like the Clowney signing. Now, as for Clowney out on the field. So he is a disruptive player. He was one of the league leaders in pressures uh, when he was healthy before he went on IR. But the reality is there's something about the guy where he just can't make the final play. He can't the half step that he needs to make the sack. And whatever that is, everybody, I am a big proponent of, look at the analytics, look at the data, look at the pressures, blah, blah, blah. He's a disruptor, and all of that is true. But at the end of the day, you still got to get the job done. And the big-time defensive players in this league have the disruption that you have to watch the tape for, and they have the box score stats that prove the disruption too. So being a great player, you got to do both. And uh, Clowney was making a difference on the defense, but not a big enough difference to save them from being the worst third down defense in the league. I think that he would be playing better right now because the Titans are getting better coverage right now and coverage and pressure is always tied together. So I think Clowney could have his best portion of the season once he comes back from IR if he's able to come back because the Titans secondary is much improved. But the reality is the Titans were smart to try to sign him on a one-year deal because it's very low risk, but he hasn't lived up to even the money that they gave him as well while still being a solid player. He's just not a not a 12 to 15 million dollar player in the league. He's he's a 10 million 11 million dollar player. So, still good, not great, but worth the risk. Yeah, like he's one of those players and like, you know, look, he's never lived up to being the number 1 overall pick. But in the same respect, you know, with you know, you're not going to say bust. Right. But you know, he was a good player. It's just it, 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 he's, you know, he's not, you know, he's not one of the Top, top at his yeah. field in the position, um, but certainly a, a solid, solid piece when you have him. Um, the loss of Jayon Brown. Um, you know, I, I I did some Titans coverage for Pro Football Network over the summer, and he was a player I was really becoming more intrigued with, you know, as I dug more into the Tennessee Titans. Uh, the loss of him, is it been big or not so much? Well, You know, this is a conflicting thing for me because I have been one of the biggest proponents of Jayon Brown, of anyone uh, following the Titans for a long time. Every podcast, I get the opportunity to mention an underrated Titan. I'd always bring up Jayon Brown. But the reality of the situation is he was playing his worst football this year that he had played since his rookie season. I don't know why that would be the case. The Titans changed inside linebacker coaches, and now Jim Hazlitt, the elder statesman, is the inside linebacker linebacker coach. So maybe coaching is the big reason, but the Titans have seen a major drop off in play from their inside linebacker group, including Jayon Brown, who has just been an abomination in run defense this year. So the Jayon Brown from 2017 and two or 2018 and 2019, it would be a big loss for the Titans for him to go out for the rest of the year. But the reality of the situation is he hasn't been playing very good football this year and the Titans can use different players to fill in his role. So will comp, He's a a fan favorite in Tennessee. He's just another guy in the NFL, an end-of-the-roster guy, fringe practice squad, fringe roster guy, but he's pretty solid against the run. So on running downs, the Titans can use Will Compton to replace Jayon Brown, and it actually might be an improvement, and it was an improvement on Sunday against the Colts. As for the middle downs, the Titans have a a second-year player in David Long, an inside linebacker from West Virginia who was a tackling machine in college. He is an under sized guy like Jayon Brown, only about six foot one, but he plays with incredible 
ferociousness. Uh, he's a downhill player. He has the speed that is not quite Jayon Brown, but it's pretty close. So he can give you that middle down player that can help in the run game, but can also still do a little bit in coverage. And then for third down and third and long situations, the Titans have a backup safety and a Monty Hooker who played at Iowa, mm-hmm. second year player. He's been fantastic in his limited role this year as the third safety. Well, now what the Titans are doing a little bit more of, and I encourage more of it to get Amani Hooker on the field. They're using Kenny Vaccaro, their strong safety, as the linebacker on third down, bringing Amani Hooker on the field to be the second safety with Kevin Byard, and then using their standard middle linebacker in Rashawn Evans to be part of the pass rush group because he has experience with that from his days at Alabama as an edge rusher. So the Titans are using their versatile pieces to not only make up for Jayon Brown, but also do a lot of different stuff on defense that helps them, you know, basically confuse other offenses and they were able to completely confuse a Hall of Fame level quarterback in Phillip Rivers last week. Um, Browns fans and listeners, uh, what have you heard me and Pete Smith talk about for a while? What do you want to get to? Nickel and dime situations mm-hmm. and get your best athletes and your best tacklers on the field. Exotic pressures. Exactly. We're going to flip the script here. Tyler's going to take over the helm. We're going to talk some Browns as we continue to take you through Crossover Thursday on the Locked On Podcast Network, Locked On Titans, and Locked On Browns. And just a reminder, guys, uh, Ross Jackson and Cody Rourke, they do a fantastic job. Um, they about I'd say maybe a month, five weeks ago, uh, they started an NFL Sunday show, uh, you know, through Restream. So if you're looking for something for Sunday mornings, uh, check out uh, you know the uh, Lockdown Brothers as they do a fantastic job with that. We are back for the second portion of our crossover Thursday conversation. I am Tyler Rowland from Locked On Titans. We are here with Jeff from Locked On Browns, and I was just uh, answering some questions about the Titans. We're going to flip that on its head. I'm going to ask Jeff a few things about the Browns, and I have to start at the quarterback position. So it's obvious that this entire offense is built around the run game. The Browns have one of the lowest amounts of passing yards per game in the NFL, third worst at 194 yards per game. So how is this team eight and three and so dependent on that rushing attack? A little bit. I want to say a little bit of it is is skewed is the Browns essentially spent a month. They played three games combined with their bye, where it was a nice stretch for them. They were actually home the entire time. Um, But you talked earlier about, you know, that one loss where you're just going to take the tape and burn it. That was the Raider game. Treacherous, treacherous weather. Then you get the bye. Then you come back after the bye. You face the Houston Texans. Similar scenario. Weather, insane. Then the following week, Philadelphia Eagles come to town. And one more time, uh, the weather is coming off the river and creating and wreaking havoc. Uh, but you, one thing you can talk about and you want to talk about positively, Baker Mayfield over this stretch Um Zero interceptions over his last 123 passing attempts. Hasn't thrown an interception in a month. And it seems weird the way the Browns are doing it compared to most teams in the NFL, not necessarily the Tennessee Titans, because it's obviously very similar with how they do things, is you if you know your offensive line run block run, you know, blocks the run well. If you know you've got a running back, or for the Browns case, two running backs who can get the job done. 
why would you abandon it just because, you know, maybe the Patrick Mahomeses of the world are all the rage now? Look, both teams are playing really, really sound football right now. Mm-hmm. Both teams are looking at playing more than one game in January, not just January 4th. So you go with what works. And with the Browns right now, with Odell Beckham Jr. out for the year, you look at what are your best – who are your best playmakers? Nick Chubb is their best playmaker. If Odell Beckham Jr. was here, that would still be the same answer. Yeah. Then you get after that, maybe Jarvis Landry, who had a great game last week, but he's had a slow season coming back from hip surgery. So Kareem Hunt, yeah. So why not use your two best playmakers? And if just because they're running backs, it doesn't mean you got to change things. Um, you, it's making for a really, really tough decision for this franchise going further as you're going to be talking about Baker Mayfield's fifth-year option come right around the time of the end of the draft. But they're just really, really sound at running the football. The offensive line has done an incredible job. Obviously, you spent money last year taking in a tackle on Jack Conklin. I think you guys have heard of him. Uh, you spent a number of pick in the draft picking up Jedrick Wills. The fact that Wyatt Teller went from a guy who was starting in the NFL at guard to one of the best guards in the NFL is something we did not see coming. But it translates, and it's weird that it hasn't translated to the quarterback position completely yet because they are getting it done, whether it's the run game, whether it is pass blocking. The offensive line is by far the best unit on this team. It's getting better with the passing game. It's certainly not where anybody wants it yet. But, I mean, again, this is nitpicking at something when this team is 8-3 and three with minimum two cupcakes still left on the schedule in the last five games, one of them not being this Sunday. Yeah, they, they have a great opportunity to be – I mean, they probably won't have an opportunity to catch up to the Steelers, but they have a great opportunity to be one of the top wild card teams, which should get them you know, a decent matchup. Uh, I am not overly scared of the Buffalo Bills, and I don't think that the Browns should be either if they can find a way to get that top wild card spot. But that's quite a, a far distance in the future. The question that I have, I think, is the question that the Browns will have to answer if they do want to win a playoff game, and I think it'll be something they'll have to answer if they want to beat the Titans. Do you think that they can win a game if the running game is just okay? You guys are obviously leading the league in rushing yards, 161 a game. Let's say you know it's 102 as a team. Chubb has 78 yards, 81 yards. Do you think that the Browns can win a game that way? Do you think Baker could step up his play and get him a win if he had to? I think he can, but what I have in the only like true evidence I can give you is a road victory versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, And granted, you know, and everybody, oh, it was 296. It was five touchdowns. But keep in mind, it was all from the second quarter on. It was based on three quarters. He did not complete a pass in the first quarter um, with with the chaos chaos of losing Wyatt Teller, with the chaos of losing Odell Beckham Jr., you know, for the Mm -hmm. season. And at that point, you were playing without Nick Chubb. Um, I I think he can. And this is the, the thing where, and it's the weirdest thing when you talk about a player, you know, at the wide receiver position with the capabilities of Odell Beckham Jr. I don't know necessarily that Baker needs, I don't want to say big names. Maybe he doesn't need the biggest names at the wide receiver position. What made him so successful in 2018, what got everybody so hyped for 2019 was, is everything he did in 2018 was with Rashard Perriman, Rashard Higgins, Darren Fells. Uh, it was a lot of guys who were just, you know, who were just players at the position. 
Um, we're starting to see some of that. You know, he got in the groove last week. And to get Jarvis Landry hopefully closer to 100%, he's not a world-class athlete. He's a great route runner. He's not going to bust anybody really deep. Um, you know, his he is in that 10 to 20 range. He's a real, real pain in the neck because he runs his route so well, which allow for yard after the catch. Um, and then you've got three tight ends, minimum serviceable tight ends between Austin Hooper, David Njoku, and the rookie Harrison Bryant, who, you know, obviously had a, a key fumble last week uh, that made that game closer than it should have been. But I, th- what has made Baker good in the NFL and when he has really looked best is it didn't matter who you are. It didn't matter your name, your reputation. He hit his plan step. He popped up in the pocket. And guess what? If it's my third read and it's the third tight end and he's open, that's the guy I'm going to throw it to. I, I still believe that Baker exists. And I think he's he really, really started to see ghosts during the 2019 season due to the poor, poor offensive tackle play. I think he is more back to what he used to be where he didn't look for pressure, didn't think about it, just you know, basically took his read, reacted, what was open, got rid of it. If he had to break the pocket, he had to break the pocket. And we're starting to see more of that Baker Mayfield now after a, a, a rough 2019 season, but this will be a good matchup. I mean, the Tennessee Titans, their defensive line, obviously, you know, I, you know, I mentioned it, and as well as you know, Tyler, some really, really good players. Now, you talk about the fact of bringing more athleticism onto the field in these nickel and dime situations. Um, but it's these are this these are games, and the Browns are making going to have to make a major decision, like I mentioned earlier. It, it's not going to be because he you know got hot for three quarters against the Cincinnati Bengals. It's not because he looked really good against the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's going to be about games like this, and it's going to be games like next week against the Ravens, and we'll see what happens week 17 with the Steelers if they even really have to give an effort in that game. But these are these are the calling card games for Baker Mayfield, and you're just not going to be able to assume that Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are going to throw two bills on everybody every week. You just yeah. can't bank on it. Yeah, that's it's a tough thing to bank on, and I know that as a Titans fan, it's hard to bank on Derrick Henry rushing for 140, 150, 160 each week, so that's why it's critical <laughs> to see Ryan Tannehill perform in certain situations like he did in the playoffs last year, even without the gaudy numbers, but I want to flip the conversation to the Browns defense and just have two quick questions for you. Number one, at least in my opinion, you're somebody who watches the team more closely than me, but in my short amount of scouting before our conversation and earlier this week, it seemed like in the last few games without Miles Garrett the Browns were blitzing a little bit more they don't blitz a lot they're they're one of the on the bottom half of blitzing teams I think it's right around 23 percent right around there maybe 20 percent so only about one fifth one one fourth of their plays do they blitz I saw more exotic pressures in the last few games uh, especially on third down blitzing a safety blitzing you know linebackers moving people around do you think that we will see more of that going forward throughout the season or do you think that that was just a way to cope with the loss of Miles Garrett and they'll go back to more zone coverage seven people back just rushing four because they know Garrett can get pressure by the way he is one of the most talented defensive players I've ever seen in my entire life. And if not for that little blip uh, in his season, I think uh, he was the defensive player of the year. And I guess he still could be if he continues that sort of production level. Yeah, we really thought it was going to be difficult for him. We thought he was going to lose a lot of ground over two games. It turns out he actually didn't. Um, And we'll see. And, you know, a lot of times these uh, awards are predicated on team success. So there is still that, you know, angle of it and we'll see. Um, But part of it is, is 
the, because they are, and I hate to say they're undermans compared to where some of these franchises are, like the Ravens who played today on Wednesday, missing like what a third of the roster, right. or teams like the Dallas Cowboys who are missing so many people. The Browns have only lost two players for the season: Grant Elpit, Odell Beckham Jr. Um, Ronnie Harrison was a big get for them, but now Ronnie Harrison, it looks like he's out maybe for the rest of the regular season. He was a big get for them. But this is where Joe Woods has been smart. Uh, you know, MJ Stewart, former Tampa Bay Buccaneer, he's been here since the summer, hasn't played a lot. Part of why they're blitzing more is they're not so confident in what these guys can do otherwise. So you want to know what? What's the easiest thing to do? Run 150 miles an hour at the quarterback, trying to make a play that way. They are so limited in coverage now because now they are playing – you know, Andrew Sandeo has played way more, I think, than they ever anticipated he was going to. Carl Joseph, it's the same thing. They understand that their coverage, and now without Denzel Ward as well, they have so many issues. They realize that there's good opportunities that they're going to get beat. So what are you going to do? You're going to get the quarterback either out of the pocket or you're just going to try to bring the noise on them because mm-hmm. you're not so positive with your coverage. Um, and losing and Sione Takitaki is another one. He's the most physical linebacker they have. He would have been a really important player this week because, you know, whether nobody's ever going to admit it, but you look at number 22, wearing that blue and light blue that y'all rock down there in Tennessee. There's some guys who just guys who just say, oh, I cramped up on oh, my calf. I mean, there's guys who just ain't got the stones to take this guy on one-on-one. Sione Takitaki, he is probably the most crazy upstairs as a brown <laughs> linebacker who loves physicality, who yes. would have looked at this opportunity and said, I got no problem trying to go mono on mono with this guy. He probably would have lost a lot, but he had at least he had the craziness enough to say, I'm going to give it a shot. So maybe you my one thing would see, maybe it wouldn't be so much in the passing game because you're going to need these extra DBs back there trying to tackle these guys, um, tackling Janu Smith, tackling AJ Brown. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was more run blitzing because if we know one thing with Derrick Henry is if he can take those first three steps clean from a handoff, mm-hmm. it's going to be seven yards because yeah. even if you make contact at the three and at three, you know, two to three yard mark, by the time he plows through you and you, even if you still bring him down, it's a six, seven yard run. Mm-hmm. For me, it, it's got to be sell out for the run and it, you've got to get Henry basically stuck in the mud, so to speak, in the backfield. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy that I think ultimately in this game, whoever is able to stop the other team's rushing attack a decent amount, both teams run the ball so well, they're going to run the ball, but whoever can do a decent job of putting the other team in third and long situations, the Titans can run their exotic pressures, the Browns can have Miles Garrett pin his ears back. I I think whichever team gets the other team in third and long situations probably has a a good shot of coming home with the victory, but that's all of the questions that I had here, some really good insight. got from Jeff right there, so I hope you guys enjoyed that crossover Thursday conversation. I am going to be back with you guys tomorrow for a Football Friday game preview with my schematic keys to the game, my players to watch, fantasy, gambling, injuries, and much, much more. Make sure that you're subscribed to the Locked On Titans podcast on whatever platform you do stream. As always, I am your host, Tyler Rowland, and this is was Locked On Tight.